leading hinge moments that unleash leaders. Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn Gregory, and you're on Gut Plus Science, a mentoring platform for people-first leaders of all levels. Here, we talk to exceptional leaders who prioritize culture, get fired up about employee engagement, and are excited to share ideas and tools for bettering employee experience to help others. Thank you for joining us to invest in being a better leader. Now, let's get to it. Hey, Gut Plus Science listeners, it's Nikki. This episode is focused on taking action and we'll cover the gamut from getting unstuck to thriving or unleashing. That'll be a word you hear a lot in this conversation. We're about to get ideas on leading people through stuck times and helping people sustain momentum in their sweet spot, leveraging their greatness. Lee Scott is with me today. He is the founder of Unleashing Leaders. Lee has a big purpose to help leaders accelerate the changes they seek. He likes to get to the core of what someone really, really wants. He helps them find their greatness and leverage it to take actions towards the ideal. I'm fired up for this one. Let's get with Lee. Lee, I am really looking forward to learning and collaborating with you today around how we can help people overcome the suck or get out of the stuck to see and to pursue new pathways. When I think of you and your work, I think hinge moments. That's what always comes to my mind. You help people get clear on what they want and the path to go get it. Let's dig in on unleashing leaders and how to do just that, unleash the leader within. So how about we start with this? Lee, why do you think many people live in stuck or settling? Oh, that's such a great question, Nikki. And I think the question behind that question is really, is it normal to be stuck? And I think it is. I think as much as we want to get out of it, I think we got to recognize that it is an essential part of the experience. I mean, think about it. When you bury a seed and all the potential that it has, the only way to get that seed unstuck is to bury it in dirt and drown it. And if it's not getting exposed to that grit and a little bit of that adversity, if you're not feeling stuck, a little bit overwhelmed, not too much and not for too long, but enough to really kind of break that up. I think that's an essential part. So there's no shame in it. I think everybody does it. It's totally normal. I think the real challenge is how do we not stay in it longer than we need to, right? Because that seed only needs a little bit and then boom, it starts hustling and growing. And I think for some people, we stay in that seed, even though the conditions are there where we could be unhinged, we could be unleashed. And I think what happens there is there is a sense of safety with a belief that we have about something that has worked for us. Like we're still alive today because of these beliefs and because of these behaviors. And if I somehow change that or I challenge that or I test that, that could create risk for me. And so that risk of death, that risk of losing our identity, I think keeps us playing a little bit smaller than we need to. And again, all of us do it. And I think the opportunity is to say, okay, let's challenge those beliefs. They were great. They got us this far. Where do we find how to edge those out, nuance them, take them to the next level? And then that's how we then get unstuck. Yes. So good. I love that you shared being stuck is part of the experience. It's a normal part. We all go through it. Staying stuck isn't healthy. So you have this gift and this strength to help leaders really unlock. And for our listeners today, let's break this down, the magic that you've been able to find in helping people to really pursue a different path. So we're going to walk through this together. And the first thought I had to ask you is how do you help people see what they really want? I think the secret to seeing is listening. 
if you are in a relationship, you've got a partner, a fellow leader, a marriage, a parenting role, a teacher, whatever it is, to be able to help people see what they want, you got to listen for what they want. And there's always clues. And I like to ask a couple different questions. One is I like to ask, what is the challenge you're facing? What is the impediment? What about the situation sucks? Because people can usually see that really clearly, right? Our brains are neurologically wired and the amygdala, the way we evolve to see risks more sharply and higher definition and sooner. Right. If we didn't do that, our ancestors, when they were going through the jungle, if they saw something that was different, they'd be like, oh, what's that? Let me go pet that. Is that an orange kitty? And it's like they got eaten and they didn't pass their genes on. Right. So we were selected to see risks and immediately have an aversion, that flight, flight or freeze reaction to it. And so that's what we see. So if you ask what are the challenges and then you listen, when people are describing a challenge, they give you clues to the things that they hold most sacred. Right. If somebody's saying, like, I really don't like how toxic this situation and how there's just people are at each other's throats and there's just all this low trust and there's uncertainty and I don't know what's expected. What they're saying is really what they value, what they need. And what they're saying is they need connection and they need certainty. And so if you listen for those things, then you can see what it is that they want to see, because that always comes second. Right. Like what I want comes second. What I fear is right in front of me. So I think listening for that and then translating that in terms of the focus tends to be on the issue or the obstacle. I like to invert that and think about, okay, what does that person value or treasure or hold as a sacred belief? That's what they want. And then the question then is like, okay, how do we help them get that? But that's a way of being able to see what they're looking for. Does that make sense, Nikki? Yeah, so good. So do you have a story that comes to mind where you asked a powerful question and you listened to then guide the path for this other person to see the vision for change? Yeah, I was working with a leader recently and she was kind of in a little bit of a career dilemma, right? And was feeling stuck where she was at, thinking that maybe the answer might lie in a different path somewhere else. And I'm like, yeah, that's always possible. But then I was asked, well, what are you looking for? What are you wanting? And we were just kind of spinning. And so I was like, okay, let's go back to right now. What about the current situation is challenging? Let's just spend a little bit of time. And we're always trying to run away from it, but let's really look at it and see what it is that's going on there. And what she was sharing is like, okay, I'm not feeling enough growth, right? There's not enough of a challenge with something at scale that has an impact. It seems like we're more maintaining the status quo and I want to have a broader impact and I want to elevate my skills. I'm feeling like I just keep doing the same things and kind of maintenance mode and that's just not fulfilling. And so rather than thinking a different set of circumstances is going to solve our problems, I like to think of what is a different set of a person could be different in any situation that you're in, right? Because if you're running from one relationship that's bad, you're trying to find the right person who's going to be your best partner and match you perfectly and be easy. Like that doesn't exist. It's who you are and who you show up in, whether it's a relationship or a customer or a situation. So when I listened to that challenge description, what I was hearing was, I want to grow and I want some uncertainty, right? I want some variety in this role. And so it's like, okay, well, what are aspects of this current role that haven't been tapped yet for those growth and that variety that you're looking for? And she started telling me about this other new job. And I was like, that's a great possibility. We could certainly do that. But let's talk about your current role. And what ended up happening was it led to a conversation with somebody else who was facing a very big impactful project and needed the types of skills that she had in her own existing organization. And I said, why don't you guys have a conversation about what you're looking to offer and contribute and see if there's an opportunity right here in front of you. That conversation happened. I'm proud to say a week later, she essentially got a new assignment in her current role to grow and to have some variety that was incredibly fulfilling and didn't require her uprooting her entire life to go pursue something else and all the uncertainty that would have been. So again, it's listening for what about this current situation? And I'm not saying you should always stay. I'm not saying you should go. I'm saying that's really irrelevant. It, really, the question is, who do you need to show up as a leader for whatever situation you're in to get the most out of it? 
So good. So this is coaching expertise right here. I mean, this is powerful stuff. You're asking deep questions, practicing listening to hear them, and then you're connecting the dots to find the theme towards what is most important to them that you're hearing. And then where's the best place to get that right now, right? It's like, if you're looking for gold, dig in a gold mine. If you're looking for silver, dig in a silver mine, but don't dig for gold in a silver mine, but you got to find out what it is again that they really want. Yeah. So I know that you love finding greatness in people and inspiring them to lean into their greatness. Can you share examples of what this looks like in practice? I think this is something that I have a genetic deficit in. I'm able to just see people's potential and their greatness and their beauty. But for me, it's really being curious. I think that the habit is being curious, knowing that it's there and believing that it's there versus being surprised when you find it. You know, so like, you know, Nikki, when you and I are talking, I'm just curious about like, what is it that's great about Nikki? And what is her superpower? And what does she put on this earth to do? And how do I get access to that so that I will benefit from it in some way, somehow? I think putting yourself in that state of mind where you're genuinely curious about what people are bringing to the table, it'll show itself. And you start asking folks about, you know, hey, how was your weekend? What do you do? What's going on in your life right now? They always give you little tidbits. And then, you know, what's the story of their greatness? And then how do you spit it back? It's like, wow, I didn't realize that you're somebody that is really being able to bring deep expertise and architectures and business structures to be able to make sense out of complex scenarios. And you're doing that on this project here for us today. I want to learn more about that. Tell me about how you've done that before. And then they're like, nobody's ever recognized that of me before. Or, well, yeah, that's totally what my thing is. So I think coming to it from a place of curiosity, which is one of my core values. So I think that's kind of an intentional habit that we've cultivated and then listening for it once again, and then giving a little bit of it back in the form of a story where they're the hero. I think so much when we're thinking that we're the leaders, we got to make us the leader. And I think as the leader is making everybody else around them, the heroes of the story, right? Like they all have their strengths. They all have their superpowers. It's about figuring out what they bring. Mm -hmm. There's something so profound in what you said that is very simple, but I think often overlooked. You said we have to start with the belief that there's greatness inside. It's not an if. I wonder if they have. I think many times we airball that one. I wonder if they've got it. I wonder if they do. Like each person has amazing greatness inside and an incredible leader, the hero, goes and connects the dots on what it is, but they believe it's there. And I think that is often overlooked. I really like that takeaway. So believing there's greatness inside and then being curious to lead them to see their greatness together. You know, you do it together. That's powerful. It's all story, Nikki. Like if I look at somebody and I say they're a terrible person, right? You know, and they're probably a tax evader and they probably are abusive to their plants and their front yard, like whatever the story is, right? I'm making this stuff up. So why can't I make up a story that makes them the hero? Yes, absolutely. You know, one thing you shared that I just want to click on the alignment real quick is my word of the year is curiosity. This is tapping into word of the year. So it's really helping me. Thank you. So Lee, I'd love if you could share more of those favorite questions, as you said, first skills that you mentioned is listening. And again, if you just ask the question and just listen, it's probably all there. So all of us need that reminder. Listening is so powerful. You mentioned one question. What about this situation sucks, right? That's a go-to question. What are some of these other favorite questions that you see help get people unstuck and envision possibilities? Yeah, I like to call these the three coaching questions, and I find them really powerful in terms of walking through that conversation in a way that doesn't trigger as much defensiveness. Because I think the moment we start to feel threatened, 
the ego pops up, we defend that belief and we're like, no, that belief is my belief. That's my identity to challenge. That belief is to challenge me, get out of here. Right? So I think the trick is to find that hinge moment where a new belief can evolve. You got to do it in a way that makes sure that, Hey, we're friends, right? We're allies in this journey together. And I don't have all the answers, but you do. So let's find them together. And then I'm trying to listen for what are the two or three critical, most fundamental needs that they have. And there's about six of them. You know, some people say seven, some people say five, pick your model. And then I'm like, okay, so it sounds like in this situation, the thing that's most agitating or the thing that's most deficit is X, right? And you're like, yes. And I said, so look at the opposite of that. Like, what would your goal be? And that's the next question is, what's our goal? What are you trying to achieve? What would you like to get out of this if you could get it out of this situation? And without the, it being the solution, I'm thinking more of the destination. Like, what's the outcome or what's the feeling or what's the state you would like to be in? And it's like, well, I really like to be more respected or I'd like to have more impact or I'd really like to be more efficient or I'd really like to have just less drama. And so it's like, okay, well, let's anchor that and take a moment to really set that hook. And when we say what's our goal, what we've just done, Nikki, is I've changed from it being a conversation between you and me, mano a mano, and it's now a conversation with we versus something external, something desirable out there. So now I'm in the friend zone and I'm good with being in the friend zone, right? So then we can say, okay, well, what are you doing right now? And how's that working for you? That's really the second question. So it's like, oh, well, I'd really like to be more respected. And so, well, what are you doing now to do that? Well, when I walk into meetings and people don't respect me, I slam my fist on the desk and I say, hey, you should respect me. I'm like, okay, well, that's one strategy. How's that working for you, right? That's kind of the Dr. Phil question. <laughs> and it's like, well, for some reason, people get irritated by that. And I'm like, really? You know, it's like, how would you feel if that was being done to you, right? And so kind of unpacking what about that current habit is creating the results that aren't fully what you desire. And then what are the risks associated? I was like, okay, well, if you were the kind of person who was known for doing X, what would that person get? And it was like, well, I wouldn't get the respect I'm looking for. I wouldn't have the impact that I'm looking for. I wouldn't have the connection that I'm looking for. I was like, okay, well, let's get a name for that person. Who's that person called? Okay, well, that's gnarly Nikki, right? She's just brash and commands respect versus earns respect. Okay, well, what could we do differently? What are different versions of yourself that are still authentic to you, but are a different flavor? You are who you are, but what you do is not necessarily who you are. Well, I could go in there and I could be as meek as a mouse and not say anything. Yep, that's an option. What's another one? So get three or four options out there. I think that's the other thing too, is people try to get the right answer the first time or something about our educational experience that teaches us to do that. And that's terrible. It's like, we want to get like five ideas out there and then compare which of these is best. It's like, I could be as meek as a church mouse. I can keep banging my hand fist on the thing. I could really show more respect to others. I could show up early and offer to help. These are all options. And then we can look at of those options, which of these might get you more of what you want, if it's the respect or the impact or whatever. And then it's like, well, this one might have something to do with that. I'm like, okay, how are we going to anchor it? And that's the last question is then what exactly are we going to do differently? And I think for that, it's like in this moment, what is the trigger that says, boom, activate this new behavior very specifically? Like what's the cue? And it says, when you see this, your brain used to go here. We're now going to go there and have a new choice, a new behavior, whatever. And then let's see if that has any difference in the outcome that we achieve. So those are the three questions. So again, in summary, what's our goal? Are we moving closer to or further from that goal today based on whatever we're doing? And then the third one is what could we do differently and what specifically might that look like? And that creates a space where we get to evolve that belief. I believe that to get respect, I have to command respect. That was the original belief. The new belief is in order to get respect, I have to give respect. And both have a degree of truth to them. I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. I'm just saying one will get you something. The other will get you something. And whichever one gives you the something that's more of what you want, then that's the one that you might want to go with.
Mm-hmm. So good. Let's say that a leader listening right now is intrigued and wants some tactical breakdown on what we've discussed so far. So let's lean into that for a minute. How often would you recommend a leader be having these unleashing conversations with their direct reports? My belief is that effective leaders have periodic conversations that are focused with their direct reports, one-on-one, something of that nature. And best practice there is somewhere between once a month to once a week, depending on how new they are, or what they're facing or whatnot. So whatever that is, let's say that you have something along those lines. Maybe there's just 30 minutes and that's fine. But I think when you're in those conversations, I'm listening for that moment where they're facing an obstacle and they keep facing it. So if they just face it one time, they're like, going, hey, I couldn't find the stapler. Right. Well, I'm not going to go into this. Like, what's your belief about staplers? And what was that childhood trauma that, you know, you first had an issue with the stapler? Right. I'm just going to be like, really? Well, where have you looked? I was like, look over there. I was like, why well, have you checked in the supply room? No, I haven't. I was like, okay, go look in the supply room. Like, that's a level one type problem. Right. A clear problem and a clear solution. I'm just going to give it to them. Right. You know, moving on. But when I find that they keep running into a situation where I'm like, okay, it feels like we've been here before. There's something going on. It's not just the situation, there's a limiting belief that's causing these situations to be more challenging for you. When honestly, I believe that you're a hero and you're great and you should just topple these things without any hesitation. That's what I'm looking for. And when I hear that, then I go, okay, let's pause here. Let's unpack the situation a little bit. Let's see what's about the pattern. Every time a situation has this with it, it seems like we run into this situation. Like, could you tell me more about what that is like for you and what the challenge is? Okay. All right. Well, what do you want it to be? What's your goal in that situation? Well, my goal is this. It's like, okay, have you been approaching it? What's that getting you? It's like, well, I get part of it, but not all of it. And I was like, all right, let's come up with some new options. Right. And so then we're right into that conversation pattern to help them be able to level up that belief for not just that one transaction, but for any transaction that looks like it. So I think that's what we're listening for. And for me, that might be every couple of one-on-ones. It's not every single one because it gets to be a little deep and onerous. Sometimes we just got to cover some status and who's on first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think maybe a simple takeaway to point out is the power of regular one-on-one time with your people. I don't want to assume that every single listener has that set up, but I think it's very important. And you know, Lee had just shared, this might be the unleashing leader type conversation might be once a week, might be once a month. Do you have a cadence for how you're leading those conversation, I think, is a key takeaway. And then if we were to stick down this tactical path with what we've talked about so far, maybe we summarize some of the pillar skills or behaviors like you've shared, you know, listening. And I think that is a constant reminder, like, do you have that in your consciousness regularly to practice that? Because it's an ever-growing thing. If it's not conscious, you're not doing it. So listening, practicing curiosity, what else comes to mind? One thing that maybe is what are you listening for? I think some folks think listening is being quiet and waiting your turn. I think when you're listening, it's what question are you asking about what you're listening for? When you're being curious, it's like, what are you being curious about? And so when I'm listening to somebody, I'm thinking like, what do they crave? What do they treasure? What's most valuable to them? And then I'm asking myself, what would make them the hero in this situation? What's a strength that they have that they can bring to the situation? Like I'm thinking of these things while I'm listening. And so I'm not listening to the superficial so I can come up with a solution. I'm listening beneath the superficial to say, hey, what's core in their values? What's core in their strengths that could apply to this or any other type of situation? And that way you get more leverage. Otherwise, you're just solving symptoms. I want to be able to unleash the power within them so they can solve these situations on their own. So I think listening for, again, what do they crave? What do they treasure? And I've kind of alluded to it a few times, maybe just kind of briefly. And I learned this from Tony Robbins, but he calls them the six fundamental human needs. Other people call them the five fundamental human needs. So whichever one of those models you use, the need for certainty, 
the need for variety, the need for significance, the need for connection, the need for growth, and the need for contribution. So that's the model I use. SCARF is another model out there. Status, control, autonomy, relationships, and fairness, right? So you pick your flavor. It does not matter which one you use. Are they really saying that they value in this moment, right? That tells me way more about what that person's talking about than the specifics of that situation. Thank you. That's awesome. We'll link out to that in the show notes as well. Lee, can you talk about sustaining momentum? So it's one thing to have this enlightening conversation that helps the two of you together identifying this greatness and finding out what this person craves and just getting this very clear vision that they're excited about. How do you lead people to sustain the journey to get to the ideal? This is probably one of the easiest things to do as a leader, but I think it's the one we forget to do the most because it is so easy. We think that once we have the new decision or the new commitment or the new habit or whatever it is we're working on, then we're done. And the reality is, is that you reap what you sow with the delay. So it's like you start doing this new thing, you don't see the results right away. There's this lag time. Like I just choose, I want to be healthier. I want to be more fit. I start going to the gym. I go three or four times and you know what? I don't see any change, but I feel a lot of pain. <laughs> right? And that's where most people check out. Getting the solution or getting the commitment, I always think that's the hardest part. I think it's the sustaining, but yet it's so easy to do it when you're a leader supporting somebody else. And so for me, it's acknowledging the effort and rewarding the results, right? E-E-R-R, right? Encouraging the effort and rewarding the results. So as you see somebody doing that new thing, whatever it is, like the way they greet a customer when they walk into a store and it's too late, they won't have enough gas in their tank to get there. But if you see like, hey, they're doing this new thing and they made a good faith effort, wasn't quite 100% what you're looking for, but it was different than it was before, then you got to hit that. Praise it, praise it, praise it. And the praise technique I like to use, something we call CBIA, is you really anchor it in the context. Like, hey, the way you handle the inventory or the way you interacted with this difficult customer or whatever the situation is that you're working on, in that moment, that's the cue. This was the behavior, that's the B. This is the behavior I saw that you did that was different than what you've done before, right? You bit your tongue for eight seconds before you screamed obscenities at them. That was progress, right? Usually you hit them on the first second, right? The impact, that's the I, how did that affect the situation to get you closer to or more of what you said you wanted, which was respect or connection or whatever? And then what's the action? It's like, okay, what can we do to get further next time, right? Or how could you celebrate that? Or how could you reinforce that? So I think anytime you see any sign of progress, you were praising it along the way. That's what keeps their tank full enough and keeps them on the journey until this new choice becomes now a new automatic. Yes. So good. A light bulb moment for me during this conversation so far, Lee, is unleashing leaders is a mixture of many simple efforts applied consistently. Because you've said many times, you know, it's really simple. This is it. It's really simple. But the common thread among the simple is the consistency of these core practices, the questions, the listening, the method. It's a lot in the recipe, if you will. And it's connecting those things, right? I think what happens to a lot of us when we're early in our leadership journey is we do one of these things. We read a book, we do this thing. We're like, okay, I'm going to praise somebody, right? But you haven't dealt with the limiting belief. Rather than thinking that didn't work, I like to ask like, okay, what else might be helpful here? And then I think that creates the conditions that really fosters growth and development. Yes, I love it. Thank you for sharing. Lee, you refer to creating change agents a lot in the work that you do at Unleashing Leaders. Can you just share what you mean by that? I first got the idea actually from Disney. Disney doesn't refer to their employees as the staff. 
or rank and file. Like I would hear these things. And when I think of staff, I'm a biologist by training originally. And, you know, I think it was staff infections, right? And rank and file is like what my teenage son's laundry would smell like. So if we start the leadership conversation by characterizing the people that we cherish the most as that, like we're doomed. So Disney calls them the cast, right? And their customers are the guests. Language is so powerful. When we were forming Unleashing Leaders, it's like, we're not calling them staff, we're not calling them employees, we're not calling them consultants. We've asked ourselves, like, what is it that we do? What's the impact after having been there? And we started thinking of a catalyst. And of course, this is a gut science podcast. And so, you know, a catalyst is a regent that you add to a chemical reaction. The reaction would normally happen by itself, but it would take 100,000 years. And a catalyst helps that reaction happen in a very short period of time. And so we were like, okay, well, these are catalysts. And yet the catalyst remains unchanged. Right. It goes in there, it accelerates that chemical reaction. Then you can take that out, put it in another one. These are catalysts for change. So they're change agents. And that's how we characterize our team members in terms of what service that we provide to our clients. Mm, yes. Language is so powerful. And I love that you hit on that. All of us can think about just there's something right now that we're regularly using this word that's like, why do I use that word? Where did this come from? But if you think about the impact of what it does, is it really uplifting? Is it making impact? So before we go and jump over to the lightning round to learn a little bit more about the personal side of you, Lee, can you give us the Cliff Notes origin story of Unleashing Leaders and the work that you all do every day? Sure. I won't tell you all the pieces in between, but I'll tell you the start and what we're doing now. For me, between my dad and some uncles and aunts, I had such great mentors going through high school that really exposed me at a very early age to some really great thinkers in this space. And the Stephen Cubbies, the Tony Robbins, things like that. I mean, I'm talking 13. I'm just gobbling this stuff up going like, wow, there's this whole world out there that is just fascinating. And went on to get my degree in leadership, which at the time everybody was like, why are you getting a degree of leadership? Like, what the heck are you going to do with that? Why don't you get a business degree? Why don't you do this? And I was like, like, you're never going to get a job as a leader. And I'm like, are you kidding? As a leader, you create whatever job you want, right? So back in those early days, the thought was, hey, I want to learn these great leadership skills to be able to apply it to a company that has a great impact in its community. I was entrepreneurial and was looking at like, what would be a great product, what would be a great service that really uplifts a society. And along the way, I'm doing all this coaching and consulting and facilitating with other friends and other small businesses and whatnot, you know, back in the late nineties, while I'm on the journey for what's the right business that I can apply this leadership to. And eventually I had a colleague of mine that said, you've been doing this for about seven, eight years now. Leadership is your product. Like, why are you looking for a different product to apply leadership to? Like you are leadership. That's your name. Your name is Lee. That's the product. And that's when I realized that I've been doing this for eight years on the side, making good money, having a great time doing it and uplifting my community. So that's kind of when it was like, all right, well, let's make this a full-time thing. And came up with Unleashing Leaders as the name for it. And let's recruit other folks that do this thing that we do. And rather than trying to pick one thing, let's unleash many businesses, many nonprofits, many government agencies, so that they in turn can really serve society better. And that's what we do today. I mean, healthcare, energy, education, transportation, where a one to 2% difference in what that organization does has a significant positive impact on thousands and millions of lives. The 1% difference, right, can really change the trajectory of our world. And we show up for those teams, whether we're supplementing their leadership teams when they're going through a major challenge or transformation. And so we temporarily augment their leadership teams. And then while we're augmenting them, we're getting them through that spike, that rough patch, while we're developing leaders internally so that they're uplifting their game on leadership so that they can then continue that evolution. We unleash them, they get to go on about their business. And then as catalysts, we go on to the next chemical reaction to see what we can do to accelerate it. 
So cool. I love the work that you all are doing at Unleashing Leaders and the journey that we're about to go on together to launch a podcast and many different offerings that will just continue to accelerate the reach of what you all do to impact more. Let's take a quick break here from our sponsor message today. And then we're going to jump into our lightning round where we'll get to learn a little bit more about the personal side of you. We'll be right back. If you're leading with a people first mindset, which most likely you are because you're listening to Gut Plus Science, join People Forward Network, the largest community of humans on a shared mission to lead meaningful work. You can find us at peopleforwardnetwork.com or follow People Forward Network on LinkedIn. Okay, Lee Scott, you're up on Gut Plus Science's lightning round. So first question, we ask this of everyone. So we'd love for you to contribute one book, your favorite of all time, or a favorite recent read to our ever-growing recommended reading list. What book would you like to make sure is on that list? You've seen my library. (laughs) I've got like 8,000 books on leadership and working on a couple ourselves. I would say a recent one. We just did a book club on this internally for our team, and it's Atomic Habits. And I think they did a really good job of distilling out what are the cues, what are the cravings? In fact, we used to use the word cravings and values all the time. So I'm like, I'm reading this. I'm like, yeah, that's what we do. So I thought that was a very practical, well-researched, well-presented book that's very accessible and very approachable for leaders. So that would be my recent read that I'd recommend to folks. I'll put a plus one on that one. I really love that book. All right, Lee, what are your top personal values? Yeah, so... I created three early on and they did me great and they were fantastic, but I recently retired one and I added another one. So I'll talk a little bit about those three. So the first new one for me is graceful transformation, right? So grace, transformation, change. So often I think that the reaction is let's shame and blame the past or let's shame and blame somebody else in order to make the future or ourselves better. And that is a very expensive way of making change happen. So I believe having grace where we accept and honor and acknowledge what the past was as a precondition, as a precursor with no shame. And then we have a choice to do something great in the future because the conditions are different, the opportunity is different. So I think that's the biggest one. And let me tell you, when you say that I want to have more grace in my life, God, she's got a great sense of humor and she will test the crap out of you and say, are you still graceful? Are you still graceful? Are you getting bitter and mad about the situation? And let me tell you what, I've been bitter and mad a lot while I'm working on this new value of grace, but that's how you build muscle. So that's, I think the biggest new one. Uh, And it's been tested and I'm hanging in there. One of the old ones that we've had for years was curiosity. And for me, curiosity is an insatiable appreciation, a little mischievously even is kind of my flavor of it, where you're just tickled pink by just finding out new dimensions that were always there, but maybe you didn't see before. And the word curious actually comes from, it's a blend of like courage and curious. They both have kind of the same root word, which is heart right? To show up with curiosity is to show up with a lot of heart and compassion and empathy to be able to receive without as much judgment. You can decide if you want it or not, that's fine, but like, don't prejudge it. So that's kind of curiosity. I love it. I love both of them. And the curiosity leads into one of my favorite takeaways today around the belief that all people have greatness. And if we're curious, we can help to find that. That's just great. And my word of the year. So I'm going to practice this more. Thank you so much for the inspiration. Lee, what brings you meaning today? Bringing me meaning today, we just recently, as our business, converted to employee stock-owned company, so an ESOP. And so making a difference for a client has always been probably my primary driver, and our clients get the residual benefit. So creating the conditions for fulfilling, meaningful, high-growth, high-regard work 
to be able to expand that for other folks who have a knack and an appetite for this kind of a thing so that they in turn can be serving others. And then that creates an equitable develop growth of wealth and benefits for everybody who's contributing to that. So for me, meaning comes from creating the conditions where people can do great work with other clients and build a sense of value and ownership and financial success for their families versus it being more of a transactional employment type of situation. So I think a lot of employment laws out there are kind of like vestiges of indentured servitude. We want our team members to be partners. We want our team members to be owners. If we want ownership, then they should have ownership. So how do we build that together? That has been really firing me up lately. Wow. Well, I've got the opportunity to interact with many on your team and I can just see that ripple effect, that vibe that's happening. They really step up and share ideas and they're challenging things, which is so wonderful, especially as new partners working alongside you. It's rewarding for us to be able to experience a team of people that feel like they have that ownership and they're just practicing it. And finally, Lee, thank you again so much for being here today. How can our listeners connect with you after this episode today? Well, we're on most of the usual social handles, but probably the two biggest ones. So I'm on LinkedIn, Lee Allen, Scott. We also have the Unleashing Leaders at LinkedIn. So both of those, that's probably where we're sharing more active posts and access. And then the third big one is it's been in kind of a prototype. We just recently rebranded it, but we took this series of questions and conversations, kind of like what we were talking about today. And out of having worked with 25,000 leaders over the last 30-ish years, what are the most common questions and challenges that they get in those conversations? And we put it together in a product called the Leadership Conversation Series. So really, it puts like a coach in your pocket. Little five to 10 minutes, think of like quick stories, a solution and an example for how do you have these powerful conversations with your team members as that first or second or even third level leader in an organization. Check it out, it's less than the price of a book. That would be a great next step for folks if they want to continue this kind of a conversation. All right, here's my truth you can act on from my conversation with Lee Scott today. Number one, being stuck is a normal part of the experience. Staying stuck isn't healthy. Number two, powerful questions and listening allows us to understand what is most important to that person to clarify where they want to go. Number three, believing there is greatness inside. As a leader, do I believe there is greatness inside this other person? Bringing that mindset to ourselves in every interaction with everyone we meet is so powerful. And number four, be curious to lead people to see their greatness together. Bringing curiosity to the table in those conversations, leading with curiosity towards uncovering that greatness inside. Oh, so powerful. And number five, when you're listening, listen to what matters to them, what they crave, what they treasure, getting to the heart of that and building from there. And finally, number six, acknowledge the effort during the change process and encourage, encourage the effort and recognize the results, praise the progress. Oh, I love that. Such great takeaways today from our friend Lee Scott. Lee just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.